Today's reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, James. Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all again. I was out last week and um, am glad to be back here with, with you all. Um, if you're new or, or you've never heard me preach before, I want to introduce myself. My name's Dave. Um, I'm a pastor here and um, typically do the bulk of the preaching. Um, also, I want to let you know I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as we go, as I, as I preach, and I always want to make sure that um, you all know what that is. Again, if you forgot in a week, I'm hurt and um, wanted to remind you. Um, we're going to get into it pretty, pretty quickly, um, so turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians. We're starting a new series. We'll be in this for um, throughout the summer. And so again, we'll be in uh, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. So go ahead and turn there um, with me in your Bibles if you have them. If you don't have one with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and um, we'll all shame you. No, just kidding. Um, we actually forgot mine a couple weeks ago. I know, right? Uh, you're a pastor. You have like one job. Actually, multiple jobs, but Bring your Bible. Um, anyway, sorry, if you don't have one, hold your hand up and keep it up and somebody will get you a copy of God's word. And if you don't own one, please keep this, okay? It's our gift to you. Y en español, um, si necesita la Biblia, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene ninguna Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y um, esta mañana estamos en um, Filipenses. I had to look that one up. Filipenses, capítulo uno. So again, this is our gift to UK. Please keep um, God's word. And, and before I pray and we get into our time together, um, l- launching into a, a new series, I actually, right after this service, um, get to drive to Phoenix um, to officiate a w- wedding. I was up there last night for a re- rehearsal and, and everything, and then drove back. And then um, actually, that's why I wasn't here last week. Got to officiate a w- wedding from here. Um, also, Christy and now Christy and Mike Rodriguez. And um, it was fun, and, and it's an honor and a joy and, and a celebration. And um, also, I was just um, talking with a friend in the b- bathroom um, right before this, and um, you know, just talking about pain and hurt. Um, in fact, just learned this morning that someone from our congregation lost her mom, um, um, which kind of came on pretty suddenly. So just um, we're instructed through the word, through scripture, to, to weep with those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And as we've kind of talked about here before, some often that seems to go hand in hand. Again, this morning getting news of someone 
passing away and then, um, you know, someone we know and love and, um, and then someone else getting married this, this afternoon. And um, again, and both from our church, people we love and, and, and want to come alongside. So with that, let us um, just live in light of reality. Someone once said, you know how we, we end our service in the benediction, the sending out of God's people in response to the good news of Jesus. And, 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 and that's um, often we think, okay, now I'm going to go out into the real world, so to speak. But a, a professor said the benediction is a reminder that you've just been experiencing the most real place you can be, that you've been reminded of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven over which Jesus rules and reigns and that a day is coming where every um, tear will be wiped away and where weeping will be no more and, and, and where all, all that is, is wrong will be made right and that we're reminded of that good news and then we're, we're, we're tempted throughout the week to forget. And so the, the commissioning at the end of the service is now, now go live in light of this reality in, in light of a world that, that actually proclaims a false story, a false narrative where, where death rules and reigns and wins. And, and then we hear here that that's not true. And so that's um, kind of on the front end, a, a reminder of why we're here. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and, and go before God in, in, in prayer together and, and hope and trust that he will lead us to have our lives shaped by his truth, his good news. Amen? All right, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together where we can gather. We use the language of being a church family, even... Throughout the summer, each year in our almost five years of ex existence as a church now, we experience, summer seems to be a time where we do kind of press in together as a church family, where um, we, we can grow together, we can spend more time, more intentional time getting to know others and building community. And Lord, we pray that that would be happening throughout this summer. We pray that new people would build relationships, Lord, that we would learn that we're not called to live on an island and to try to go at this thing um, on our own and in our own strength. And, and, and Lord, on that, we want to pray for those who are, who are hurting this morning, for, again, dear friends from our church who, who are suffering, who are crying, who, are, who are, are, are wondering how your good news speaks into um, this, this hardship. And so, Lord, we pray that your gospel would be revealed as glorious and hope-filled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, have you ever experienced when you're getting a haircut and... Um, you get kind of spun around, right? Normally, harbors, any harbors in here, um, by the way? I can't see. All right, there's a hoot. I don't know where that came from, but somebody, somebody is. Um, but right here, they, they typically face you away from the mirror, right? But then sometimes you get kind of spun around in the chair and you catch a glimpse of yourself. And if it's at the wrong moment in the haircut, it's like, oh my goodness, what's going on right now? Like my hair's in like a little boom hobby pin or, you know, something crazy is going on. Like where am I in this? And what, man, did I make a terrible decision? Or perhaps, again, I was talking to someone this morning. I know Brandon might not be able to relate with that. Brandon has a bald head um, like some of us. And, um, but he also, but he has tattoos. Okay, so maybe you don't, you're not familiar with haircuts or it's been a long time, but you've gotten a, tattoo, right? S similarly, and I know our demographic, right? I could use illustrations. It'll hit home sometimes, right? 
tattoos, downtown Tucson, it fits. Um, right, so you, same thing, you're, you, you've got this grand idea, they, they draw it out on a piece of paper and then they start in on you and A, you're like, is it too late to go back? Like, this really hurts, right? Can I, can I change my mind? And, but then, you know, maybe you, you like look at it mid-process and you're like, this looks awful. Like, what did I just do to myself? This is ugly. And, um, and, and it's important in those moments, right, to remember what you signed up for, to remember where you're at in the process, that, that, that you had an idea and that you knew what you were signing up for, and then you have a picture of what it will be in the end. And that needs to inform where you are in the moment, right? And there are a lot of different times like that in, in life where you need to kind of remind yourself. Again, this is kind of for free, so to speak, but as I get prepared to officiate a wedding, it's my f- fifth in the last I think a couple months, and um, you know, there, there's a, a picture that I'll, I'll give a charge to remember the last day, or to look forward to the last day, and that there will be tons of opportunities along the way as a married couple, and perhaps this is speaking even to some in here this morning, that you're tempted to just get caught up, so caught up in the moment, and to lose sight of the bigger picture, okay, and to think of the, that last day, Okay, that, 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 that you long for and that you look and look forward to what that will, will look like. And, and so that's somewhat a picture of where we find ourselves in this book of Philippians. Um, the, 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 again, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church in Philippi. And there's this overall reminder of thank you for what you've done and for who you are. And then continue to press on into that. And so this is where we'll be this morning as we walk through Philippians um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, just to give you some handlebars, is the first part is, is, is a thank you. Thank you for your faithful friendship. And then remain faithful. All right, keep it up. And so with that in mind, let's go ahead and, and uh, uh, dive in here to Philippians chapter 1. I'm excited to see what God has in store for us through his word this morning. Again, this is the word of God. It begins, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So just, um, I'm going to get a couple kind of big picture ideas out of the way and, and, um, and to help us to understand what we're doing dealing with here. Okay. So again, this is Paul and Timothy and, and, and he's written many letters alongside his young kind of disciple or protege, Timothy. They've kind of done it together and gone and gone hand in hand. And he's writing to the church in Philippi. And, um, there are a couple resources I want to make you aware of. God bless you. That was like machine gun um, sneezes. You can't, you know, at some point you can't really ignore things. You got to be like, okay, it would just be mean if I didn't say bless you. So we see you. We're with you. Um, so um, from Acts chapter 16, okay, if you're, if you're taking notes, um, Acts chapter 16 verses 11 through 40 is the story of the Philippian church. And that's a great place to get. Again, we don't have time or we can't really press into it this moment morning to look at that whole story and see how the Philippian church started. Um, but but it's, a, it's, it's, it's a rich story of God's, God's grace and his work. And so Philippi is, um, this was kind of the first church plant, if you will, in, in what's now Eastern U- U- Europe, kind of Northeast 
part of Greece. And so um, it was also a Roman colony. And, um, and so that meant there was a lot, of, a lot of power, a lot of like wealth. It was kind of a cool place to be, all right? It was kind of like if you maybe think of Scottsdale or so. I mean, it had a lot of kind of retired military people. And, and, and so there was, um, you know, civic duty and civic relationship was a significant aspect of, 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 the, of the, the, whole, the whole colony in Philippi. And this is likely written around 62 AD, um, most likely, and, and my assumption, just so you hear fair, is um, Paul is in prison in Rome writing back to the church in Philippi that he helped to, um, to plant and to see launch. And so he cares. And now, now something, though, before we, again, get out of the gates, if you've ever read Philippians or perhaps it's your favorite your favorite book, or you've got like a life verse, which is funny. A couple people I know here, we listen to a podcast to talk about life verses. I won't go into that. But um, anyway, you've got a life verse. This is like full of them, okay? Like every chapter, every sermon will have like one of these big verses that you kind of like, a lot of people have, right? Is like, that's my verse. And, and so it can be, it can, the idea can be that, that the church in Philippi is like the perfect church. And that's just not true. All right, there's a lot of stuff there going on. There's, there's a lo- lot of brokenness. There's a lot of opportunity and need for the gospel of Jesus to be, to be displayed and to be, and to be proclaimed and, and, to, and to shape this young community of followers of Jesus. All right, again, you can see the dots connect some for us, right, as a congregation in many, many ways. Um, also, something I just want to highlight, it'll, it'll come up in the, down the road too, we'll dive into this, but Philippians is one of the clearest places where we see um, the reconciling powerful work of the gospel on display. In one way is that there are many women in leadership serving and, and pouring um, out and helping to shape. In fact, is, again, if you read in Acts, um, the, the, first, the house church was hosted by a wo- woman named L- Idea. So again, there's a lot of really um, great pictures of the, the full effect of the gospel on display here. And so as we, as we read through it, I want to make you aware of a few things. Okay, so that's kind of the big picture of, uh, of, of what we see. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. So with that now, let's can. Can you on, okay, to read is, is Paul thanks them for their faithful friendship. In verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, let me pause, okay, a little pastoral moment, all right? We've got some youth, I know, and, and we've, um, we've had a, you know, we've got a, a youth group, and we're growing in that demographic, and we're excited about that. And let me just kind of shine the spotlight on for a minute. Um, Philippians 1.3 was not written for you to write in yearbooks with little hearts dotting the I's. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you which is often, you know, and like, no, if you're going to put that, like at least, right, f- finish the sentence, right? Like always in prayer um, for you making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So again, if you're going to throw that in there, if you're going to sign a letter to someone with Philippians 1.3, do it 
right, right, as a partner. It's, it's not like you can't throw on some Christian lingo, right, and all of a sudden now your, your, your game has more legitimacy, all right? That's, let me just pull that rug out right now. But what we see here, again, is not some romantic, you know, uh, love note, is, is more of a familial kind of brother-sister um, re- relationship of gratitude. And even you see a father's heart, all right? We're coming up on fa- Father's Day here soon, and I know many of us have different relationships with our dads and, and different kind of baggage therein. But when we talk of God the Father, you often get a glimpse at that through his word and often through Paul and his relationship with the different churches. Sometimes you get a stern, like a stern view, right? Like in Galatians, he's coming in hot. And then in a place like this in Philippians, there's a a tender, warm gratitude and care, concern for his children. Again, I got to talk to someone this morning and as a, as a dad and just um, hearing and seeing a, a father's heart of love and concern and compassion. And that's God's heart. And we see that on display here. And so Paul thanks them. He says, listen, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Okay, now hear me. If you look back, if you can go back even to the, um, who's on the slides there? Matt, is that you? If you can go back to the, the one there where I, I broke it down, right? What we're going to be doing. Yeah, right there, right? Thank you for your faithful friendship. So remain faithful. But there's a significant um, uh, connector between those two charges. And it's verse six. All right, pick up with me there in verse six, right? The theme is thank you for your faithful partnership in the gospel, for your friendship, But then in verse 6, he slips in there. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then then those other, right, his warm fatherly compassion shows up in verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. And, And by the way, just kind of, like FYI, um, maybe again, if you're taking notes, he's setting them up right now. All right. By the way, we'll see down the road that they have some, some arguments, some disagreements and Paul's using himself as an example of how he feels toward them. And he's about to remind them down the road of, um, oh yeah, remember my affection for you. Now you, why don't you have that for each other? Okay, so that's just a little FYI, right? So he's kind of setting him up a bit, right? A little bit of a hate and switch. But, but um, verse six, kind of that theme picks up down in verse nine, right? He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then picking up that same theme down in verse nine, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That, that, that for the day of Christ means the last day, right? I got to talk about this in the beginning. That means, listen, the day when Jesus returns. Okay, so now hear me right now, because this is so important, because when we read the Bible, we tend to look it through. Okay, what do I need to know? What's the least amount of information I can get? And then I can just copy and paste that and then try harder, do better, pull myself up by my bootstraps, work hard, right? We, we see... Um, thanks for being faithful, right? Now keep it up, 
right? We, we have a time of confession and then we often go into, God, I'm so sorry I did that. Um, I'll never do it again, <laughs> right? And, and, and we're overlooking the, the, the grace of God, the gospel, the gift of, of, of uh, the necessary aspect of what he has done for us that we could never do and can never do by ourselves. So what we see here, it should look more like this, okay? Our, our, our um, outline and kind of the big idea that Paul is writing is this. Thank you for your faithfulness, dot, 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 which only comes because of Jesus's faithfulness dot, dot, dot. Now in light of that, remain faithful. Continue on in faithfulness. And that's what's unpacked in that verse six and then verses nine through 11 is he's saying, listen, the work that is going on in you, okay, hear me now, the gospel, if there's anything good going on in your heart, if when you confess your sin, you're convicted by that sin, and then you, you hear the assurance of grace and your heart beats and, and skips and you're, and, you're, and, and, you, and you're comforted by that, that's not a work that you began. Okay, so don't forget that. And now when you go on, when you now continue to live out your, your life, let it continually flow out of his initiative, his faithfulness towards you. Okay, this is a theme throughout Philippians. Um, I'm not going to have you turn there per se right now, but in um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which will be in, in three weeks, is sometimes referred to as the hymn of Christ. Um, but by the way, again, if you're taking notes, I, I'd recommend the, the Bible Project has a great video, kind of a, it's like a five or six minute video through the book of Philippians, and it's really helpful. And um, they, they even have like a little map you can print out of, and it just walks you through pretty much every book in the whole Bible, actually, I believe. So great resource, okay, the Bible Project. And they have that kind of NPR voice, if you know what I mean. Um, so... I don't know if that's like everyone that does a podcast or something has to learn how to have that voice. But that said, um, a main theme in Philippians is in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, the hymn of Christ, which is where we see this picture. Jesus, king of all, having all rights and privileges and power, chooses to be a servant. Okay, just to connect the dots again for us. Back in chapter 1, verse 1, if, if when Paul said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Again, in a couple weeks, we'll connect those dots there where he says, essentially, the idea is because Jesus first gave up his rights and made himself a servant, now, in response to him, in response to his initiative, we too get to participate in his mission as servants. Okay, so that's the same idea here. I hope you're connecting that. It's not, all right? If you hear one thing always at this church and specifically today, it's this. It's not try harder, do better, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You should do this. You should do that. No, it's more because Jesus has done in spite of you, now freely live. Now go and sin no more. Because of his faithfulness toward you, now be faithful. Now you can be faithful and now you can continue on in faithfulness. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And just a couple of verses even to kind of point your eyes. So this is a big idea throughout all of scripture. I just three actually that kind of came to mind as I was preparing 
pairing this is um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, where um, the author, John, says, um, it's not that we first love, but we love because he first loved us. All right, his initiative. We can love because of his first love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it, it, we, we recite and talk about here often, right? It's this, that God demonstrates his love for us, not because we're lovely or love-worthy or loving. Hear me. While we're yet sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. He doesn't react. He doesn't respond to us. He doesn't respond to our prayers. He doesn't respond. Hear me on that, right? We've even talked about it before. He doesn't, he's not waiting there for us to like meet him halfway. He goes all the way. And then he softens our hearts and calls us to faith in himself. He opens our eyes and we can do um, irresistible grace as we see him and his glory and his faithfulness and his love and his pursuit. And we can do no other than to respond in gratitude, in hope. And then also in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, after this whole thing, he, he goes on, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Even if we are faithless, he is faithful. So again, this, this, this theme here is Paul is writing to this church that he loves. He wants to remind them, I'm grateful for your faithfulness but I also want you to know and I want me to know and I want you to know that I know and I want you to live your life in light of the fact that you didn't muster up your faithfulness. And from here on out, as things get real, all right, he's gonna talk about that in a moment and then next week all the more, it's gonna be hard. Okay, if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're not so sure about what the Christian life looks like, I want you to hear from here. It's not always easy, amen? In fact, sometimes it's even gonna be harder in fact, if there's anything, a promise in Scripture, it's that you're probably going to have more struggle and more difficulty if now you find yourself in Christ. Again, being a servant is not easy. And yet the hope is because of his faith, you can now continue on in faithfulness. And so picking up in verse 12, kind of as the, the f- final point, now, in light of his faithfulness, continue on as being faithful. In verse 12, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So again, Paul's in jail. All right, we're going to talk about this more down the road, but it's not easy, right? We can forget because he has these nice words, but he's sitting, even if he's under house arrest, it's still a horrible place to be. All right, again, if we have any kids or youth in here, it's like, it's even worse than that like 1.30 hour when you're sitting there after lunch and you're tired and you're like, I just want to be done with school and you're looking at the clock. Like, you know, this is much worse than that. Okay, this is a horrible place to be. He's, he's got different sicknesses and ailments and it's not easy. And it's going to be easy that the Philippian church is going to be tempted to lose faith, to grow weary of doing good. And he wants to remind them, listen, even in this moment, because of Christ's faithfulness, because he began a good work and he will see it through all the way to the end, because of that, 
even this hardship, even this current situation is now informed, enlightened by the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He says, listen, I've gotten to share my faith. He's not trying to slap on it, trying to make it sound easier. He's not trying to sugarcoat a difficult situation, right? He's not trying to church it up, right? Which we can try to do and is not helpful. But he's stepping back again saying, listen, the reality is this. My situation is hard. It's painful. I'm tempted to be faithless. And yet God began this work. He allows me to be a participant in it. He will see it through to the end. And so now knowing that, I can see the things he's doing, the good things. People are hearing the gospel. The guards, imperial guards are hearing the gospel. And other Christians are being emboldened and encouraged by the fact that I'm in jail and they're seeing me continuing on in this and and that's encouraging their faith. God's at work. And then a last part here that, that he does in this last thing, and, and I'll share, in fact, something, again, a conversation I even had this morning reminded me of this. In those moments, as Christians, often we tend to be anxious. We tend to find ourselves in an uncomfortable situation. Perhaps you watch different news outlets, you, you read the newspaper, you have conversations, you look on Facebook. Again, you hear stories of pain and suffering and you just, you get, you get stuck in it and you just think, man, woe is me. And then often what we do is that is we get anxious. And, and then with that, what we tend to do as, as, as Christians is not press in to God's faithfulness and then pray that we will continue to be faithful. We often start to throw darts and grenades at each other. And we start to get this idea that we forget that it's God's mission, that he's in control, that he's powerful, that, that he knows what he's doing, that he has already declared what will happen in the end. And we start to, um, start to get really tight about what, what's going on and about who can say and believe what and what's right and what's wrong. And we all do, we, so that's the context of here what's happening because um, picking up with me, in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from, every, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So again, he's like, that's right. That's why I'm here. And some are continuing this work faithfully. They're preaching the gospel, right? But then he says, some are doing it out of envy and rivalry, okay? Um, they, they are doing it in order to afflict me in my imprisonment. And then he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Okay, Paul's ministry and his message and his posture is not anxious. Hard, difficult, yes. But there's a hope. There's a faithfulness that he wants to remind the church to continue in. And it's this, again, this whole ministry belongs to Jesus on an individual level, in your own heart, in your own life, and on a macro scale. It's his work. He's in control. And there is a steadfastness, there's a comfort, there's a non-anxiousness that can come because of his sovereignty. All right, we talk a lot about sovereignty here at this church, and it can be often left up there, high and lofty in the, in the courtroom, right? Somewhere out there in the theology books, in the library. No, it's meant to be rubber meets the road, real um, kind of brass tacks, everyday life, good news that God is sovereign. Again, hear me, in your own life, in your individual life, he began a good work in you. Okay, hopefully we can join Paul and rejoice in that. 
Okay, but also I know it can be tiring. It can be wearisome. We can feel like sins that we thought we had kicked 30 years ago show back up. And it's like, this is exhausting. And the good news, the message of Jesus is he began a good work. He put himself on the cross. Philippians 2, he left his seat of authority and power and humbled himself and became a servant, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then he victoriously rose from the dead. And then he now sits on the throne and says, behold, I'm making all things new. And he promised, in the same way that I have gone, I will return. That is the day of Christ that Paul is reminding of, uh, th them of and reminding you and me of this morning. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Remain faithful, not in your own uh, effort, but because of his faithfulness on an individual level and also on a ministry level. Again, I just want to encourage you right now and I want to maybe even exhort us as a church, right? We're in downtown Tucson. Things are changing. Times are changing. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Whatever the phrase is, right, we can hear. We can, the church, maybe more than most, amen, can take on this anxious posture of, man, we've got to get it all right. We've got to protect the world from itself. We've got, God is biting his nails and waiting for us to save this thing. His, his game is, is um, his, his victory is uncertain and we've just got to be anxious and then maybe mean and, and, and angry and know the picture. He's saying, listen, even if, even if, if, if it's wrong or coming from bad motives, if in the end Christ is proclaimed, um, I'm going to rejoice in that. Not just because he, he, he conjures up that idea, but because he knows his faithfulness only comes from God's faithfulness. That God began this work and he will see it through all the way to the end. Let me just share a, a quick story with you of what, honestly, I'm kind of convicted by this. I was talking to my dad a couple months ago. Some of you know he's not a uh, Christian or kind of in the story I'll share, I'm not sure where he's at in his faith. Um, we've talked multiple times. I've shared the gospel. I've used outlines and diagrams and every best illustration. And often he's been like, okay, cool. Thanks. Like, all right, let's eat. Let's move on. Like it hasn't, it's seemingly like bounced off of kind of a hard place. And, and this has been years. We have a very close relationship. We talk, well, a couple months ago we're talking and again, the gospel comes up and we're, I'm kind of sharing with him and we're just you know it was right actually around the time that my grandmother passed away and I was going to officiate the funeral and we were kind of talking about that and my dad just goes you know Dave um I know you don't really approve of him but I've been listening to Joel Osteen um quite a bit like I watch his show on TV and um I'll get back to me not approving of him in a minute in case that's confusing anyone but so my dad's all, I know you don't approve of him, um, but, um, you know, at the end of his, of his sermons, he gives a prayer. And um, I've been saying that prayer. And he's like, I don't know if it took or not, but, um, but, but you know, that, that's a start, right? And, man, I, I mean, just like, Dad, I, I don't know either. I don't know if it took. I just love my dad's kind of innocent language there. I don't know if it took or, you know, but... I don't know. I mean, and in God's humor and sovereignty, it would be just like him to lead my dad to faith through Joel Osteen. Um, right? That's humbling for me. Um, um, I'm like, I divide the scriptures with truth and um, spirit filled. No. So what, what that means for me, Kay, is this. 
Um, the Joel Osteen in his ministry is, um, and I'm not going to go hugely into this right now, but is essentially he promotes or advocates or kind of um, at least propagates what's known as the prosperity gospel. And it's often kind of proof take texting, kind of copy and pasting different scriptures. And the, the essential message is often, if you put your faith in Jesus, um, life will get better and easier and you will have prosperity. And this has really done a lot of damage throughout the world and in lots of different contexts. I grew up in a church context that really adhered to that and kind of had that kind of theme and idea. And it's not very helpful, again, when suffering and pain and difficulty comes into the picture and things like that. And um, um, over the years, though, I've learned, like, God's not really calling me to be um, the great, vigilant, anti-Joel Osteen, right, um, promoter. I don't know if he's a Christian. Some, often he does seemingly promote Jesus, proclaim Christ, not always in the way I would want it or, you know, even the fact that my dad didn't know if it took. Part of me is like, well, maybe that's part of my disapproval. But again, like, I mean, the big picture there is not Joel Osteen. The big, the kind of all fingers are pointing at me. Okay, at my lack of faith in God's faithfulness. At me forgetting it's his mission that he's called me and given me his grace to be a part of. That because of him sovereignly choosing to be a servant, I get to be a servant. Because of his mission, I get to be a missionary. We all get to be missionaries. And so listen, the, 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 the message of hope that I want us to rest in is this. Jesus is still winning. Jesus will absolutely win. You, you and I can, can, can lay that foundation, or we don't even have to lay it. He has already laid that foundation. And now we can continue to minister by his grace faithfully because he is faithful, because he is sovereign. We can rejoice together as brothers and sisters, as partners in the ministry of the gospel. We can say, thank you for your faithfulness. Now continue to be faithful because and only because he is faithful and he is in control because he began a good work and he will see it through all the way to the end. Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for um, your word. Lord, thank you for this m message of hope in Jesus. Um, I pray that your gospel is proclaimed. Lord, that if there has been anything, if any thought or word from my mouth has not honored you, Lord, I pray that it will be wiped away. Lord, I pray that only the word of our God, which endures forever, would rest solidly on our hearts. Lord, would lead us to confession, repentance, faith, hope, faithfulness. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our lives will be built upon that truth, upon that good news. In his name we pray. Amen.